Welcome to the Authority of Love. My name is Greg Williams, and thank you again for joining us. I hope you've been encouraged and maybe even challenged to some degree so far as we toggle back and forth between what to do and what not to do in order to have a great marriage and or avoid a messy or broken one, respectively, right? Monday and Wednesday, we talked about keeping and or reigniting the passion on your marriage, in your marriage, I should say, and in the daily habits of happy couples. On Tuesday, we sarcastically shared five ways to achieve a short marriage, and that's not what any of us desires. So we added what we need to do instead. Now, you can listen to those at any time on WJMM.com. Go to the podcast tab and then click on the Love and Lordship links for the current days and the previous two days podcast. You can also hear all the podcasts at loveandlordship.podbean.com. That's loveandlordship.podbean.com or all the videos. And by the way, there are other podcasts and other videos than these, but you can find the videos on the Love and Lordship Vimeo page, vimeo.com slash forward slash loveandlordship. Uh, Thanks again for joining us. And as I mentioned at the close of yesterday's program, today we're back at what to do in order to make your marriage a mess and your spouse miserable. I think I said that yesterday. If I didn't, that's what we're going to deal with today, okay? Obviously, this is not what any of us desires, but unfortunately, many of us practice these rules or better yet myths of relationships and marriage that actually do more harm than good. These are not only to be avoided, but we need to change our patterns and maybe even ask the Lord, probably ask the Lord. No, we need to ask the Lord to change our hearts in order to break these rules and dispel these myths so we can have healthy, thriving marriages that reflect Christ and his bride to a broken world. Some marriage rules have been repeated so frequently that they're accepted as conventional wisdom. But do all of these general do's and don'ts work for every couple all the time? Hardly not. No, sir. No, ma'am. So here are four marriage rules or myths that we need to get rid of. Number one, always be totally yourself no matter what. Actually, this is a very selfish approach to life and relationships and especially damaging in marriage. I don't know about you, but I'm not always pleasant or agreeable, but I don't have to come across as that when the problem lies with me. Don't always be yourself. Be better than yourself. Yes, the hope and desire is that your spouse will learn to accept you completely for who you are. But some days the real you feels grumpy and out of sorts. I don't know. My wife would probably say, I never do that, right? (laughs) Yeah. So what are you going to do? Be yourself and dump all over on your spouse? It's okay to express how you're feeling or what you're struggling with, disappointed with, or maybe even angry about. But having a hard day is no excuse for treating your spouse unkindly, unlovingly, or disrespectfully. As Christians, we are called to act as Christ did toward his bride, even when nothing was pleasant and it cost him everything. He's our model. So let's be more like Jesus and less like me, as a great Zach Williams song states it. Number two, do everything together. While you need to develop many things together and enjoy them as well as work through difficulties together, this rule or myth of doing everything together is often rooted in insecurity and envy, neither of which define love according to God's word. Yes, couples need to have some mutual interest in order to find ways to connect and grow in closeness and intimacy. I'll say it again from yesterday. Remember, guys, intimacy is not just about sex. 
It's not only okay to enjoy separate activities and interests, but when done judiciously and within, and within good priorities, as we've talked a lot about previously, this time can actually strengthen your marriage. My wife Amy recognized this early on in our marriage and encouraged me to get out there at least once a week to play ball and visit with friends and teammates. I also encouraged her to take the time and make the time to be with and enjoy her friends and things they like to do. And when kids came along, I would do that even more so she could have a break from that. She worked from home and, and, and part-time as the kids grew up. And then when they got to school, she went full-time again. Again, this is all balanced with priorities so that you honor your marriage. And as I stated earlier, actually strengthen it by connecting with other couples and same-sex friends. Be very careful not to develop deep friendships with those of the opposite sex, as this is often an, quote, innocent, unquote, step toward affairs when you do face difficult times. And they will come. Remember to keep your priorities where they should be and make this one of them, but not out of order in the wrong place or in the wrong priority. Number three, myth, rule, don't ever disagree or fight. Now, I've always struggled with the, the, the word fight because that word often used in these situations literally refers to more than just a disagreement. So I would say learn not to fight at all because that's always rooted in my selfish desires, James 4.1. Fighting stems from not just disagreeing but actually coming against your spouse, and that's never good. The better phrase here in this myth is don't ever disagree, but that's not true. Disagreements are often the best way to learn about yourself, your spouse, your marriage, and your own personal strengths and weaknesses. And every one of those are actually good things. There's a right way and a wrong way to disagree, but couples who never disagree aren't being honest with themselves or each other. There are times when it's necessary and even beneficial for you, for your spouse, and your marriage to deal with and work through a tough issue, no matter how difficult. The fact that it's difficult tells you it needs to be dealt with, and one or both spouses likely have something going on and something to learn. Our marriage benefits when we do this, remembering that our spouse is not our enemy. Keep that in mind. Always, quote, fight, using that word to make the point. Actually, always learn to disagree fairly. Number one, stick to the point, the topic the issues. Don't attack the person. Number two, keep it clean. Number three, the anger and pride get in the way and you can't do these. You got to do it humbly. So you may need to take a break. Number three, back to number one, again, stick to the issues, the topic, no personal attacks. That's what people do when they know they're in the wrong or the other person is getting the best of them. So in pride and anger, they try and gain the upper ground. If you choose to act in pride, you will almost always say or do something you wish you could take back later. Number four, avoid sarcasm, ridicule, and name-calling. Again, this stems from immaturity and why most people choose to avoid disagreements or fights rather than work through them and learn from them. Number five, listen. Enough said, but much easier said than done in the midst of pride and anger. And number six, avoid long sermons as they never achieve anything good in a disagreement. Finally, have the maturity to step away for a time if things escalate or you are escalated already and use the effective method of listening, repeating what was said, 
and seek understanding, then reverse the roles of listener and speaker. The greatest trait to dispel this myth is humility, which you'll remember from the authority of love in God's word is being confident and content in who you are so you can willfully choose to place the other person above you, your spouse above you. Number four, when kids arrive, they must be the priority. Obviously, they need a lot of help and they need all of our time and attention, right? I can't tell you how many marriages I've seen wrecked because of this horrific advice, rule, and yes, absolutely myth. While we know that our children need that extra care and attention from infancy until they reach late childhood, early adulthood, you know, and biblically speaking, that's 12, 13, somewhere around there. And then they need loving guidance and correction at that point. There is nothing in Scripture that supports this changing of the priorities. Actually, the love, support, discipline, and security that children are seeking is much better caught than taught. What do I mean by that? If they can regularly regularly witness you placing your marriage and spouse above yourself and them, they will catch what it means to truly love and be safe within that love. God has made it so that they would, if we will apply it with the right priorities. Yes, your kids need your love and attention, but your relationship with your spouse is the top human priority. There may be seasons, illnesses and things where you need to spend some of that time, but keep your priorities where they need to be and keep Christ on the throne to do so. Be sure to give your spouse your time, your attention, and your affection. And feel free to leave your pouty toddler with a babysitter every now and then and go listen, really listen to your spouse. Once again, God's priorities in Scripture, as we lay out very clearly in the authority of love, the second edition, remember S-E-C-O-N-D, if you're searching for it, spell that out, is Christ first, marriage second, spouse third, and they are different. Get the book and find out or call me and talk with me. I'd love to talk with you. And then children and family fourth, and it moves on beyond that. Everyone is blessed when we choose to learn, grow, and walk in God's covenant order. Once again, you'll need to apply the trait of humility in love as the greatest contributor to this type of thinking and action. It's often found in the desperation of a spouse who does not feel truly loved by their spouse and seeks it from their children. While they are young and fully engaged with mom or dad, it all seems good and covers over the problems. However, as children reach young adulthood, by God's design, they are supposed to start moving out, getting wings. You're supposed to help them with that. They begin to know the the, the smothering love and very often rebel or run from it. Don't put them in the place God never intended to be as your sole source of love. It begins with Him and Christ and the Spirit, then your spouse and your marriage, then your children. Food for thought as we wrap this up. While these rules or myths sound good, each of them is proven to be ultimately destructive to your marriage. Don't fall for them, but walk in God's plan, design, and covenant order. Another action item similar to all of them this week, take an honest inventory of each of these myths and determine which you need to work on. Then go work on each one as needed for a healthy and blessed marriage. Start with one and then work through it. Tomorrow, we're going to go back to what not to do side, right? I'm sorry. No, no, no. We just did what not to do. We're going to have, we're going to end the week on a very upbeat, a positive beat. I'm sorry about that. Lord willing. And I'll share some marriage 
uh, tips and things that we need to do to strengthen our marriage and thrive in our marriage. Invite family, friends, and loved ones, and even enemies to join us and hear this message. You may be amazed at what God does in all of that. Now, you can, you can find our book. I've mentioned it a few times, The Authority of Love, second edition. Spell it out, S-E-C-O-N-D edition on Amazon. And you can, if you read it, leave a review. Sure, appreciate that. We got a few and they've all been really good, but I'd love to have more. And, and I know every, people aren't going to agree with everything I say. I'd love to talk with you about it, but I'm a big boy and can handle it. So leave that review. You can find more out about our ministry at loveandlordship.com, loveandlordship.com. That's our website. And if the Lord is leading you as you pray for us, I've asked you to do that more than anything. But if you're in your prayers, he's leading you to see this as a kingdom ministry, bringing kingdom fruit in lives, marriages, families, and his church. That's our prayer, okay? Then would you consider making a financial donation? You can do that easily at our website, loveandlordship.com. There's a give tab near the upper right, and it will walk you right through that. Give one time or give ongoing would really help us. And if you're not being led to give to us, keep praying. Thanks for your prayers for us, but keep praying and ask the Lord to show you where he would like for you to give first in your local church and then to a ministry that you know is doing kingdom work, expanding his church and his kingdom. Then be obedient to do that. You can give there, as I said, at the tab. You can give on the cash app to us, cash.app forward slash dollar sign love and lordship, all spelled out in capital L's for both love and lordship. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for your prayers. Thanks always to the Lord. Make it a great day and God bless in Christ. And as always, I encourage you to stay tuned for Bill Reeser and Encounter. I'm Greg Williams, and you're listening to The Authority of Love.